Thrive Suite Productions presents The Perception Veil. Alien Abduction. We've talked about it before, and it can be a complicated and controversial topic. Most who claim to have experienced it don't really want to talk about it. Well, here for your discerning ears is a possible alien abduction story. Now, I say possible because according to the person who sent me this account, nobody in their family had any recollection of actually being taken aboard a craft. But things that happened many years later left them wondering just what did happen on this night. I just finished listening to one of your episodes about the three ladies in Stanford, Kentucky, who were abducted by aliens back in 1976. I had something similar happen to my family and I when we lived in Hinkley, California, which is on the outskirts of Barstow, back in 1977. My dad had just gotten paid, and well, he decided to take us all into Barstow. It was going to be a special night. We went out to eat at a restaurant, and after, he took us out for ice cream at Thrifty's. See, I was um, seven, eight years old at the time, and I really looked forward to going out and celebrating and, and having ice cream cones on, on payday. After we had finished our ice cream, it was time to go home, and we climbed into our 1969 Dodge Charger. Dad decided to take a shortcut on Riverside Drive back to Highway 58. It meets up between two bridges, just a short distance from Highway 58. And just before you get to the two bridges, there's a, a dormant volcano that runs next to the railroad tracks, next to the road we were driving on just as we started up the hill. It was a clear night, and we were enjoying the ride home. I remember seeing this you know, beautiful light coming down from the sky. Uh, my mom told my dad to pull the car over to the side of the road and then said to us, uh, let's get out and look. So we all got out of the car and, and this thing came down out of the sky and it hovered right in front of the four of us. It was no more than, I don't know, 10 feet from us. It was the most glorious, beautiful light that we had ever seen. It was bright, but strangely, it didn't hurt my eyes or any of our eyes. It had rainbow lightning bolts shooting off at it in slow motion with a, a big halo of light around the top of it. It really was just too glorious to describe accurately. We just admired it for a few moments. And then everything seemed to slow down. I remember we were all facing northeast when this light came down in front of us, you know, eight to ten feet away, and about two feet off the ground. Now, the next thing I remember, and it seemed like it hadn't been more than a minute, the four of us were now facing northwest, looking up at the sky. So, with none of us consciously moving, we shifted from northeast facing to northwest. The light was there for a half a second longer, then it either shot straight up or, or disappeared so fast, whichever way it went, it was gone in a hurry. And I remember my mom saying, wow, what was that? 
we all climbed back in the car and continued on our half-hour drive home. We should have arrived back at the house no later than 9 p.m., even with our little detour. I would get home and be sent straight to take a quick bath and then straight to bed. My sister would take a bath after me since it was a school night, but when we got home and walked in the door, we saw the clock in the kitchen. My mom was shocked, and she said, It's ten after eleven? Go straight to bed, kids. Wait a second. Even as a you know eight-year-old, I knew that wasn't right. Based on the time that we had left the ice cream place, we should have been home two hours ago, but it was now 11.10 p.m.? Two hours and ten minutes of time was gone that none of us could remember anything about? I remember my mom asking my dad, what just happened? Should we call the police? And I remembered my dad laughing and then saying, no, uh, they'll think we're crazy. I also remember my mom looked at her wristwatch and she was surprised that it had stopped. Over the years, we would talk about that night on occasion, but no one could really remember anything more about it. My mom and dad have since passed away, but my sister and I still discuss it from time to time, and we're still baffled about that missing two hours. Were we abducted? How else do we make sense of what happened to us that night after seeing that strange light? Now, there's more to this story that actually provides some backstory to this event. Back before we moved to Hinckley, we lived in Fontana. Uh, that's the town I was born in, and it's the town that the motorcycle gang Hell's Angels originated from. My mom was a real estate agent at that time. My dad had this idea in his head that he wanted to become a Hell's Angel. My mother said, I don't think so. And so we bought a house for 50% of market value way out in Hinckley, which Interestingly enough is where the PG&E compressor station that Aaron Brockovich investigated and hence led to the lawsuit and movie starring Julia Roberts is located. Now, my mom told my sister and me, we were four and six respectively, that the reason she got this house for such a cheap price was because it was haunted. <laughs> my sister and I did not know what that meant at the time, but my mom assured us that everything would be okay. So in 1976, we all moved from Fontana to Hinckley. About the second or third day of living there, there was a knock at the door, and I answered it. When I opened the door, there were three military guys standing there in full gear. They had MP badges on their arms. They were wearing helmets with a military jeep parked out front. They wanted to speak with my parents. My mother came rushing in with a concerned look and asked, Can I help you? This military police officer said, We got word that you just moved into the neighborhood, and we want to tell you, whatever you see in the sky at night around here, don't talk to your friends about it because of national security. Got it? My mother was puzzled but said, uh, Okay. The three military officers got back in their Jeep, and they drove off. None of us had any idea what they were talking about. Well, apparently, it wasn't that big of a secret because when Thursday night came around, everyone in the neighborhood got their lounge chairs out and their drinks and they parked it in their yards, facing north towards the mountains. At first, there wasn't anything to see. My mom asked a few of them, what are you guys doing? What are you looking for? They said to pull up a chair 
because they were going to watch the military test the UFOs. Well, at this point, we had never seen anything like that before, so we joined them. We sat there for a little bit, and then around 7.30, this big ball of light came up from behind the mountains. It hovered in the air with no sound, then exploded into multiple different colored lights. Each ball was a different color. These balls of light played cat and mouse with each other, flying way faster than anything that any of us had ever seen. Then they would fly about 50 miles to the east, stop on a dime, and that would take about a second and a half. And then they'd fly back where they were and fly in a corkscrew pattern, and then fly in a merry-go-round pattern, and then all line up in a single file line and play cat and mouse again. And this would usually go on every Thursday night from, you know, 45 to 90 minutes or so. It was as if they were on a schedule. We lived there about five years, and this happened a bunch. And that's why on Riverside Drive, when that light came down in front of us, my mom said, hey, look, kids, let's get out and look at it. And none of us were scared. We had been looking at lights like that for you know, about two years every Thursday night. My mom had been taking classes at Barstow Community College, and she told her professor about what was going on at our house, it being haunted and UFOs hovering above the house. And for a few months, they studied the history of the property, and they eventually found some old documents that told them the property used to be, well, kind of cliche, but an Indian burial ground. I know, right? Ah, but yeah, that's what they found. And this was well before the Poltergeist movie came out, too. We were not too far from where government-protected Indian pictographs are located. And the area that the government used to test the UFOs on all the time. It's on the property of the China Lake U.S. Naval Test Weapons Base, which is about 85 miles north of Barstow. The desert is a strange and mysterious place for sure, but one thing we're not sure about is what happened for those two hours out in the desert that we still cannot account for. This next story was sent to me a few years back, and it is a chilling account of contact with a group of creatures flush with vivid details. But even after experiencing it, the woman who sent it to me is still not sure what to make of it. Could it have been real? Could it have been imagination? We'll let you decide, but here is her amazing story. Let me start off by saying, I do not expect anyone to believe this story, because if I had not experienced it myself... I wouldn't believe it either. I'm a young woman, a wife, a mother, living in a very, very small town in Middle Tennessee. I've always believed in the paranormal, but nothing that I read growing up or watched on television or saw in the movie theater could have prepared me for what I encountered. This actually happened very recently. From the time that I am writing this to you, it's a little over a month gone by since this incident. I was having a very hard time falling asleep. My husband was out of state for work. We have three children, and so at night, I had my two little girls piled up in bed with me and my six-month-old son in his crib next to me. After struggling to fall asleep, I finally drifted off into a very deep sleep. Well, 
I guess it wasn't that deep because I was awakened by something suddenly and I had the feeling that someone else was in the room. I was facing the wall opposite the door and I had my three kids in my sight. I froze for a few minutes and I just listened. I didn't hear anything, but I could still not shake that feeling of a presence, something in the room with the four of us. The neighborhood we lived in had been having some issues with break-ins from meth heads who robbed the occupants at night. That was the first thought I had. Great, it's a meth head in my house. He's going to rob us of stuff he can pawn, right? Yeah, still, I didn't hear anything. You know, meth heads are not really known for their stealth. I built up the courage to call out, Take what you want, but don't you dare touch my children. After I said that, I slowly rolled over in the bed towards my door, and I saw a figure. But I couldn't quite make out what it was. It was far enough away that I calculated I would be able to grab my husband's gun and shoot it before it got to us. But when I tried to stand up, I was frozen. I could not move. I tried to move my legs, uh, arms, hands, fingers, nothing. I was frozen like a stone. A wave of panic came over me, but that's when I heard in the most soothing, calming voice, it said, we're not going to hurt anyone. Wow. Just Writing that gave me goosebumps. I couldn't speak, but I went from panicked to no longer afraid. My eyes adjusted to the darkness, and I saw another figure standing beside the first one that I had seen. And then two smaller figures. I, don't know, I guess my mind just went to children. I heard whispering, but I couldn't make out the words. The first figure that I saw took a step towards me, and I saw the most beautiful blue glow. It was coming off the figure as if every single vein in its body glowed. In response, the others began to glow blue as well. I couldn't make out facial features, but I can tell you that these were not humans. I remember telling myself to wake up. This is a crazy dream. Just wake up and all will be well. But deep down, I knew I was conscious and very awake. The one thing that struck me then and sticks with me now is how beautiful they were and how at peace I felt. Does that make sense? Then. I'm not sure if I blacked out or what, but when I woke up or regained consciousness, I was not in my bed anymore. I was on my back, staring up at a very shiny ceiling. Whatever I was lying on was extremely cold, and I could not move anything but my eyes. I've never felt the cold like I did that night. I felt exposed in a way, but not naked like some of the abduction stories that I've heard. It was a different type of exposed, as if these things knew my every thought. 
I rotated my eyes to the left as far as I could, and I could barely see the tall figure that was in the bedroom with me. I don't know how I knew it was the same creature, but I just knew, you know? I could hear a constant hum when the creatures were around me as well. I'm going to place gender on these beings because that's how I know how to relate. The creature I could see, the, the main creature I believed to be male. There was another that approached and the male creature said something that I couldn't understand. But the second creature said loudly, in the back of her mind, hidden away, she knows she's safe. As it stroked my long auburn hair, and this one sounded female. The male creature then said she was alone. And then something else I couldn't make out as he dropped the volume on his voice. And then the female responded, They'll be reunited soon, and we'll check in. It probably comes without me having to say it, but I felt very weird. It was a feeling of deja vu that came over me. I knew this place, but how? I had no mem... Ah, there it is. She's starting to remember. But after this, she will fall into a deep sleep, and she'll think it all was a dream. No one will believe her. I remember the female saying, I felt a cold burst of something entering my veins through my left arm, as if I were getting an IV, but it didn't hurt. And then the next thing I remember, there I was, sitting up in my bed. I got out of bed and started for the bathroom. I was trying to process what had happened. I felt groggy and I couldn't stand up very well. I had to hang on to some furniture as if gravity was a new thing to me. I got into the bathroom, I shut the door, I didn't turn on the light because I figured it would hurt my eyes, and then I saw a blue light out of the corner of my eye. My eyes shot down and I saw what looked like four little toes on a tiny foot with, you guessed it, blue glowing veins throughout it. I rubbed my eyes, looked down again, and four blue toes were still there. What the f- And then I heard giggling. I began to stand up and they vanished. After a few minutes, I made my way back to the bedroom, feeling like I was in a constant battle with gravity again. I reached my bed, laid down, closed my eyes. I cannot ever remember feeling as tired as I did at that very moment. But just before I drifted off to sleep, I felt the coldest pair of tiny lips meet my cheeks, as if there were two little children kissing me goodbye. My husband did not come home for another week, but when he did, I had to tell him the story of what happened from start to finish, just like I'm telling you now. Of course, he was amazed. We talked about it the rest of the night and contemplated the reality of it. Now, later on that night, I had a very interesting dream. And when I woke up the next morning, I told my husband what I dreamt. 
He had a shocked look on his face and told me he had the exact same dream with all the details that I had just told him about. In the dream, we were little kids again. We were in this big room with other kids, and we were all looking out this huge window. All we could see were stars, millions and millions of stars. And in the distance was an orangish-looking planet. We were all quiet, and we watched in amazement. And in my dream, my husband, as a child, turned around and took my hand and smiled. In his dream, he remembered turning around to see me as a child, grabbing my hand, smiling. And then we both turned back to the window and looked out at the approaching planet and the star field. Is that what they meant when they said, I should know in the back of my mind that I was safe? Because maybe I've been there before? My husband and I have known each other since we were little. The two of us have always been obsessed with space and the stars. Maybe, just maybe, it's because we've been there, but couldn't remember. I still can't wrap my head around it, and I'm afraid to tell anyone this story in fear that they'll think I'm insane. But I would love to hear what anybody in your audience thinks about this story. Hmm. That was an interesting encounter. Beautiful and mysterious. A story filled with peace and wonder. Whispered encounters, leaving this woman to ponder the profound mysteries of the universe. Are we just that pale blue dot that Carl Sagan spoke of? Or are we a cosmic convenience store just on an off-ramp along the intergalactic superhighway, visited by beings from realms beyond our current comprehension? Or are these encounters merely figments of imagination, fueled by our desire to understand our place in the universe? Are these creatures just a blink away? Just on the other side of the perception veil? Hey, this is Steve White, the host of The Perception Veil. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode. These two stories were sent to me by real people about their real experiences. So if you have had a paranormal, supernatural story that you would like to share, I'd love to read it. Send your story to theperceptionveil at gmail.com and I'll be in touch. Also, if you like the podcast, rate and review wherever you listen. And if you would like to support it in another way, you can buy me a coffee. There's a link in the show notes. Be well, and I will see you on the other side of the veil soon. This has been a Thrive Sweet production. Copyright 2024. All rights reserved.